This episode of The Energy Pipeline is sponsored by Caterpillar Oil & Gas. Since the 1930s, Caterpillar has manufactured engines for drilling, production, well service, and gas compression. With more than 2,100 dealer locations worldwide, Caterpillar offers customers a dedicated support team to assist with their premier power solutions. The Energy Pipeline is your lifeline to all things oil and gas, to drill down deep into the issues impacting our industry. From the frack site to the future of sustainability, hear more about industry issues, tools, and resources to streamline and modernize the future of oil and gas. Welcome to the Energy Pipeline. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Energy Pipeline. It's me, your host, Jordan Yates. And today we are joined by Stephen Anderson, the president and chief executive officer at Evolution Well Services, as well as one of our co-hosts, Bill Jensen. Everybody knows Bill. So Stephen, you say hi first because you're the guest. Hi, Jordan. Thanks for having me on. Of course, Bill. Say hello to everybody. Good afternoon, everyone, or good day, or just we'll leave it at that. Bill, I feel like that's always your go-to is good afternoon. I'm just, I love it. It's so, so polite. You're awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you. Try to be. It's nicer. Oh, for sure. One day Bill Sass will come out. We'll see it. (laughs) Uh, Stephen, we brought you on today because we want to talk about the concept of electrification in the oil field and kind of its role in relation to sustainability. I feel like these are two kind of hot topics, and we just want to get started right off the bat with some questions. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Thank you. (laughs) You guys are both so polite. Oh, my goodness. I got to loosen you guys up. Um, (laughs) So right off the bat, what does electrification entail in the context of the oil and gas industry, and how does it contribute to the sustainable practices? It's a, it's a good question. It's something that actually has been going on for some time. I think it's certainly uh, gained some strength in, in recent years, but there's a recognition as it, as it relates to both equipment, um, the reliability of that equipment, the reliability of the fuel sources, and ultimately ways in which to uh, reduce emissions. But what's interesting about sustainability is that I think the electrification is also beneficial for the employees in many other ways. Um, and so I think what it entails is really looking at all the different value chains within oil and gas, recognizing where the right investments, the right sources of equipment at the right scale can satisfy the needs of those particular areas in oil and gas. Um, and then finding really all of those participants within that ecosystem being willing to support it. Uh, And then you find really some momentum from that point forward. So whether it's in production, uh, excuse me, upstream, downstream, uh, midstream, even refining, I think you see really um, a lot of momentum and and really encouraging progress to get there. And I think ultimately that will drive uh, safer, more efficient operations, but obviously, you know, the ability to create a, you know, a cleaner production overall. And I think in the, in the context of, you know, a lot of the sentiment around oil and gas historically, I think you see the innovation within this sector kind of proving itself out once again when there's uh, pressures both internally and externally to improve or to electrify. A couple of things you mentioned there, Stephen, safety and employees. Uh, one, what benefits do you see that electrification provides to help 
safety, because I mean, we're talking about big time voltage here, and then looking out for the employees. So I think it's, it's a great question. One of the things about uh, on the electrical side, I think you're bringing new employees, depending on the voltage, into oil and gas that historically have not been there. Uh, certainly in the application of even our technology on a medium voltage side, you see that. I think uh, expanding that in terms of wages, uh, certainly in terms of the compensation that can be achieved for those positions, I think is, is great. Uh, giving those particular groups and resources outlets for um, you know, sort of exploiting their craft and their and the technical skill sets that they have. I think it's also safer. You might say think electricity is safer. I mean, excuse me, a little bit more dangerous. But what's interesting about electrical components is they wear out much less frequently. So there's there's tremendous safety standards um, in the electrical community, and there has been uh, for for a long period of time. And the mining industry is an example of that. And so uh, for us, and I think for a lot of others, they look to the mining industry or other industries that have used electrification in uh, a pretty rugged environment to deploy in the oil and gas sector. And so when you have those safety standards and you can follow them, you actually see that it's 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 quite a bit safer. And so as it relates to getting the equipment in place. Uh, and then ultimately operating it, it's, tr it's tremendously safer. And even in a maintenance cycle, the fact that you have longer maintenance cycles or intervals, the risk to, um, to personnel going in and doing maintenance or repairs uh, is reduced just because the exposure is reduced as well. Uh, and that's something that we certainly find uh, to be true you know, in our experiences we've been operating ourselves. That's so interesting the way yeah. that you put it because I used to kind of think you know, electricity is scary. Like if I accidentally got like the tip of my blow dryer wet, like, can I plug it into the wall? Am I going to, am I going to die? Is this a toaster in the bathtub kind of situation? And I, it didn't happen until probably, I guess like a year and a half ago when I started working for a ceramic capacitor manufacturer, like during my day job, where I would learn so much deeper about the electronics, how they work and the safety measures that are taken on a component level is just absolutely insane to where these electronics are so safe on so many levels and they have to go through such rigorous testing to get to the point where the end user even has it in their hand. So I like that you pointed that out because I feel like electricity seems like this magical unknown source that is just kind of floating in the air, but there are very technical aspects to it. Um, I say all this to lead into my next question, which is, can you define a little bit more like what we're talking about when it's electrification in the oil and gas industry? Like, is this the motors? Like, is this going to be seen like on a drilling rig? Like, where are we seeing it and what is being electrified? Uh, you really see it everywhere. Uh, the entire value chain in oil and gas. Um, you see it in upstream, uh, in particular on drilling rigs that have been electrified, where the motors have been uh, converted to electric. Uh, you see it in completions. I mean, Evolution pioneering electric frack certainly is a big part of that, where the uh, equipment in and around the well pad for completions is being electrified. Um, you see it in the midstream. Uh, you see it in compression. There's a big push. And you also you see it in production. Um, uh, where, where a lot of the equipment that's used to actually, you know, once you bring a well on production is being electrified as well. And so that, that's, it's really as much as you can possibly electrify, it's good. But like I said, sort of early on, I think the industry is trying to tackle um, that which can be electrified the easiest with the biggest bang in terms of economic benefit. Uh, I think also in terms of emissions. Uh, and then there's a, there's honestly, it's, it's adoption and acceptance. Um, 
I can sit here and show you dramatic economics benefit for the services that we provide that are electrified, but unless the organization in which we're serving um, can support the needs to obtain, uh, to, to engage us and, and really you know, get all of the value out of electrification of a frac, um, then they're not necessarily going to see it. And so you have to have you know, buy-in organizationally, community-wise, in order to do that. So you see an awful lot of it. Um, and often because it's new um, in many applications, that is where the risk is. It's the transition to it where people are not um, traditionally exposed to it. So I think kind of to Bill's example, it is scary in the beginning, but but in, in the lack of knowledge potentially or someone not necessarily respecting it in the beginning can be risky, but all of the moving parts um, and, and often in a, a combustion engine can certainly be dangerous as well. They're just people are typically used to those risks. And so I think once you kind of socialize around those issues, you recognize it's, it's, it's a lot safer. Um, it ultimately delivers on the benefits that people talk about. This is not something that, um, you know, you, you quote economic, operational and safety benefits and then they don't come true. You see it all over the place. Um, and I think what electrification generally entails is finding a more reliable way and a more sustainable way of powering the operations that we have. And, and, and it's, I mean, at its core, it's converting a hydrocarbon to an electron and then using those electrons to more efficiently execute a particular task. That, that is what it is. It's basically, um, and, and I think once you see it for that level of simplicity, you really get to understand uh, sort of the value dynamics that you get. That's neat. And it's, it's nice how you break it down to say, basically you're taking a hydrocarbon, turning it into electrons, electricity, and carrying it through. And can you expand on what some of the key components and technologies are involved in the electrification, like motors, battery storage, renewable, anything else that goes along with that? And then there's a follow-up in there. You spoke about mid-level voltage in that what are some of the voltages there? And I'm not trying to ask that question to pin it down to say, oh, that's scary again, but just so that you can get the scope of where you're, what the, what the industry is doing, what you at, at Evolution and your team has been doing, where that all fits. Sure. That's a good question, Bill. And I think you know, one thing I'll, I'll probably clarify too on the conversion of a hydrocarbon to electron. In the case of wind and solar, it's not. It's taking energy of some other source, not necessarily from a hydrocarbon and converting it to electron. But, but generally and, and most, most consistently, it's done um, from natural gas powered solutions that generate electricity, which is certainly the case for evolution, but it, it generally is as well in normal utility applications too. Um, and so, so electrification, at the end of the day, you have to generate the electricity in one form or fashion. Um, the way it's done historically in a utility setting is you've got different types of power plants. They can be steam generated. They can certainly use natural gas, which is by far um, the biggest in the U.S. You've got coal-fired um, generation. And then it's ultimately, it's generated and then it has to be distributed to where it's needed. That's the way our grid works today. What is happening in the oil field more frequently are something called microgrids. And so what you're doing is you're, instead of bringing the transmission and distribution lines to where it's needed, you're bringing the generation, the power generation to where that electricity is. And you're bringing the gas, the natural gas, which is typically the fuel source to burn to create the electricity 
to that location as well. And in the oil field, it's available in abundance. Um, it's produced exactly where it's actually needed. And so the, the benefit of a microgrid is that you have movable power generation. You can create that utility grid, if you will, in a much smaller geography. It gets much more efficient. Um, you have less risk. Uh, but but the key piece there is the mobile power generation, which is something that you know our organization uh, certainly has has spent a lot of time designing and engineering. But there's other applications and other 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 companies that do it as well. And so what's key is you have to have the fuel source. Generally, it's natural gas. Um, you have to have the 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 source of power generation. That can be a turbine engine. It can be a reciprocating engine. And then you have to have the ability. Like in our case, we actually distribute the electricity through cables because we bring power generation right to the location where we want to use it. And that ultimately gets fed into electric motors and electric motors are powering whatever is necessary, whether it's in you know upstream, downstream, uh, midstream applications, uh, all the ones that we, we talked about previously. Um, and so that's, that's really what has happened and really what has created the evolution of uh, oil field electrification is mobile power generation, and it could be mobile that's rapid on wheels like our applications or it can be skid mounted. But nevertheless, you're getting some sort of power generation or electricity right to the source that you want to use it. You're not generating in one central location and then distributing it out to a bunch of other locations. You're bringing the generation right to where you need. So you're eliminating that distribution. Uh, in terms of voltages, uh, historically, kind of in the upstream space, you've seen 600 volt platforms, um, 480 volts has been around. That's typically considered lower voltage. Medium voltage is a pretty big range, um, and this is where it probably gets into uh, people's opinions. Um, but there's, four, you know, 4,160 volt platforms, but there's also 13,800 volt platforms. Um, a lot of mobile generation is uh, generated at 13,800 volts, and then you use transformers. Um, and and that's what's important about electricity is um, there there's uh, the ability to generate it at one particular voltage, but oftentimes it's needed to be used at a different voltage and you have to either transform it down or step it up to get it to the voltage that you ultimately want to use it in. So transformers become a very important part of that manufacturing or, or distribution process of the electricity. This sounds so cool. Like I loved when you were describing the microgrids because I started daydreaming and I'm like thinking about it all set up in like this really cool graphic and I'm like, this sounds pretty neat. Like I want to see this in action. Like you, like you said, you get the natural gas there and then you just feed it back into the system, provides the electricity. Like that just sounds so nice. Like I, I love how it all goes together so smoothly. It's such a beautiful picture in my head. Um, but I, I don't know if that's considered beautiful to everybody, but to me, the, the integration sounds absolutely gorgeous. But I I have this, this question where with the energy transition going on and the sort of public perception of it, a lot of times when we think electricity, we think batteries. And so I feel like a lot of people may be thinking, okay, you're electrifying the oil and gas industry, so we're using giant batteries to be used in these motors. Is there a place where the batteries are being used or is it more so like you said, converting either the renewable um, solar, wind, what have you, natural gas to the electricity? Like, is there a place for batteries here? There is a place for batteries. Um, it's not the most economic solution today. Um, mm -hmm. It's very expensive to produce a battery. 
Um, industrial application for batteries is really not here in a commercially viable sense on any level of scale today. There's an awful lot of uh, companies um, in capital and incentives in the government to ultimately invest in and, and complete some R&D to get to that place. But I wouldn't I wouldn't tell you that today it's it's commercialized on an industrial scale. And, and generally what a battery is not used for is a long-term power source. It is typically used for storage. And so it becomes um, an intermittent option for power if your primary power source is not available or has failed or is temporarily down. And the key is that you want the, the battery to be stored and fully charged so that when you need it, you can use it for as long as possible. But oftentimes, um, you can have you know a couple megawatt battery. It can last quite a few hours depending on how much charge you're pulling from it. Um, when, when I say quite a few hours, I'm not talking necessarily days, I'm talking hours. Um, and depending if you have a really heavy load on the batteries that you're pulling, um, it can last minutes. And so uh, you have to be very careful in that regard, but they, they certainly serve a purpose today in very short sort of applications on intermittent or from a storage perspective and just kind of solving when your primary source is down. But today they're not there for a long-term power source to, um, um, to really give you the opportunity to use the batteries uh, for an extended period of time. And quite frankly, given that they have to be charged, this is what's also very interesting in, in an energy transition is the, the, the charge has to come from somewhere. And I think that's one of the challenges in a, in a transition is that we think about electrification as, as if you know you just get electricity. No, it has to be generated. It's typically generated, as I mentioned before, from an original source of a hydrocarbon, um, uh, certainly from a long-term permanent solution. Um, intermittent, it can come from the more re renewable sources. But batteries the same way. It's a storage place but you have to be able to charge it and it's charged with some sort of power source in the first place as well. Um, so that's, that's really kind of, I think a key component to think about in transition and the use of batteries. Certainly a good thing there that you talk about the transition of batteries because there's a lot of different moving parts there and you know, the electrification in the oil and gas equipment and process industry, how does it impact energy consumption, emissions reduction, and you know the overall operating efficiency. Are there? Have you seen gains? Do you see gains, or is it a, a long-term investment, not short-term? So uh, it, I think the best way for me to probably give you some context here is is maybe within our own business. Um, there's always just just Great. in terms of um, electrification of of what we do. It's kind of what I probably what I alluded to in the beginning is that it's real. Um, and it's not something that takes a long time to see. You don't sort of make an investment and hope that it gets there. Um, it, it's something that's real and immediate. Um, electric frack, uh, for example, drives massive economic benefit in terms of fuel arbitrage. Um, so the customer and the provider, uh, you're, you're seeing anywhere from 15 to $30 million, depending on the frack application and, and cost elimination by using field gas, that's converted into electricity that's used on location in our equipment versus uh, diesel equipment and diesel consumption. That is meaningful. Um, and, and that 15 to 30, excuse me for interrupting, but is that a year, a month? Per, per year for, a for, for, you know, there's a wide range of assumptions in terms of, of a completion program, but that's what you will generally see uh, for one frac fleet for a year. 
it's it's a it's a significant amount of economic benefit. Um, in terms of operational efficiencies, um, it is as good, if not better, and that's something that's that's been proven out um, with the technology that that we've deployed. And, um, and, and then it's also safer. We've talked about that from an HS&E standpoint. It requires fewer people to operate. Um, you have maintenance intervals that are longer, so you don't have to interact in the equipment quite as much. Um, and then from a noise level and emission standpoint, you know, what, what typically happens on a frag pad, it's very noisy. Um, you actually, you know, electrical components are very quiet. Anybody that's been around a Tesla or a Nissan Leaf or any other EV knows that. Um, we can be pumping, um, you know, 120 barrels a minute, 10,000 psi, and we can be having this conversation around the equipment where you're not required to even have hearing protection under OSHA standards, and so it's it's extremely quiet. Um, so that also is very good for personnel. And so I think when you look from an emission standpoint, that's always you know one one of the bigger ones because uh, as we talk about transition, um, the the amount of emissions from the completions process is significant. So the ability to electrify that takes a significant portion, um, you know, sort of of the carbon intensity from a production of a barrel or a molecule of gas. Um, tremendously down and you see that instantly so I think that is one of the things with the oil field is whether it's the, the you know this industry and sector has always been on the cutting edge of solving problems um, at times they may be problems that are defined that someone else may define those problems for you um, or push push the industry but certainly the amount of technology has been deployed from other industries to electrify the oil field is being proven out up and down the value chain in the oil field and it's something you see instantly in terms of uh, the benefits I mean it sounds like it's obviously beneficial so it's it sounds interesting Stephen, I, I want to go back where earlier, I think around one of the first questions you had mentioned that people often have some trepidations towards adopting the electrification in the oil and gas industry. And it's interesting because as you broke down, it's not the electrification that people typically think of like big battery packs, like we're still using a lot of you know natural gases to power this electrification. So like when people are actually concerned about it like is it because maybe they don't understand that portion or is there something that's so significantly different in the process of using say a diesel engine versus an electrified one that is like alarming if that makes sense sure i think it's there's a number of factors that can come into it people get comfortable with what they do and how they do it and the execution with it and so sometimes uh, a new change of new technology, often you want it to be proven first. The good news is a lot of the electrification in the oil field today has certainly been proven. And so I think you're seeing a greater level of adoption. There's not a lot of folks who are willing to be first movers. Some have the culture to want to do that. Um, and, uh, and I think that's, that's very helpful. I think that there is sometimes concern that the trades or the experiences um, that are traditional oil field would maybe go away diesel mechanics, as an example. People are worried about job security. And I think certainly in the oil field, um, you know, we employ so many people in this country that I think we should be protective of those jobs without question. I think electrification doesn't put them at risk. I think it hydrates them. And as I mentioned earlier, I think it actually gives people a broader range of trade they can use in even other industries. And I think that it ultimately increases in many ways the compensation they can earn. 
Uh, the other part that I think can be a bit of a challenge is oftentimes to even perform the work that we do on electrification, you have to have portions of our customer base and within their companies actually have to communicate differently than they historically have. So in order for us to get gas to put in our equipment, we have to have gas available on location. So the production team now has to be involved in completions. That's not normally the way it works. Um, yeah. And so you get different parts of different organizations to communicate and coordinate. Um, and, and that isn't always the easiest thing to do. But when you do, you unlock value that is is very obvious. And so sometimes that that is it. I think the other thing that is a, a bit new is some of the technologies that we bring in to do this are not traditional oil field technologies and not just electricity itself. I mean, in our case, when we generate electricity, we actually use an aeroderivative turbine. It's the same technology that sits under the wing of an airplane. And so we've brought that technology into the oil field and people are worried about it being reliable, doing what it says it's going to do. And sometimes those are different skill sets. So a lot of times it's just different and it takes time for people to get uh, uh, accustomed to it. But those are some of the examples that have kind of brought some of the hesitancy early on and some of the questioning that that I think we've been able to overcome at this point um, as an industry. That's really cool. I mean, I like to sit here and act so progressive and be like, yeah, I just changed you. It's obviously better. But I, I feel like a very maybe relatable example for people who aren't actually doing this stuff on a daily basis and going through it would be like, you know, you're using your Apple computer and then someone's like, actually, here you go, switch to Windows. I need you to start working immediately. It's like things like that where maybe one is better than the other, but it can be stressful to go through these changes. And I imagine that you have to have some pretty thick skin to be the guy constantly coming in, shaking people's worlds up, being like, hey guys, we have this really good way of doing it. Just give me a minute to prove it to you. You know, like that that's, I, I commend you for that. I don't have a question. I just wanted to say good job. <laughs> oh, no, I appreciate that. I, I think that the industry as a whole um, has ex- exercised some level of patience, but I think is also some some open mindedness too. And I think once you're able to prove it, this industry has proved resilient and 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 always able to do more with less. Um, and I think continuing to reduce the cost of producing, you know, the lowest carbon intense barrel or, or molecule of gas you possibly can, and that will con- continue to be the case. And I think with, with anyone, if you're delivering a service, you're providing value, um, you don't need to sell it to someone, you need to prove it to them. And they get to understand it and, and sort of socialize those issues at their own pace. Um, every organization is different. And at the end of the day, if you deliver a service and you deliver value that is sustainable, not only in sort of an ESG perspective, but sustainable in terms of long-term and durable, it's not quick and easy and then reverts back to an expense, then I think that um, you can expect you to have sort of a durable lifespan of, of selling and convincing you know, the industry that this is the right thing to do. So uh, I, I appreciate that, but I think that the industry as a whole has done a pretty good job of it. Just passing on the compliments. Bill, you got another question for Stephen. We're getting close to the end, but I want one more insightful Bill question. A Bill question. <laughs> well, you, you've talked about some of the challenges of being able to get people to buy into it and show how to do it. And you've kind of, you've touched on the challenges there with getting people to uh, not sell them on it, but allow them to see the benefit what do you see the, the economic implications implications and long-term benefits of electrification into the industry and what is those impacts on costs of operation and total cost of ownership 
and profitability? There's a lot of the question. Um, I think that I'll, I'll tell you what I'll touch on. I, I've sort of highlighted at least these probably these areas uh, previously, but pick pick a pick a sure, highlighter. Sure, I, I think here here I'll tell you where the, where the economics are and ultimately the people. Um, one of the things that I think electrification is it's here to stay, and so those skill sets and those jobs whether it's the manufacturing of those components, whether it's installation of those components, running the components, maintaining them, whatever it is, it's here to stay. And the ability to be an electrician, for example, um, is a very broad-based skill set. Um, and I, th I think that keeps you demand in demand as an employee. I also believe that the, the components in the electrical world, whether it's power generation, whether it's the electrical components themselves, they last a long time. And so while it is capital intensive to get started because you have to convert equipment over, um, you have to invest in these assets, the total cost of ownership over time is dramatically reduced for a lot of the things that we talked about in terms of um, you know, maintenance and the like. And I always try to use this example, and at times people roll their eyes at me, but it's something to try to make it personal. And that is that when's the last time you went to flip a switch on in a fan in your house and you expected it not to turn on? It just does. Um, and so, and it does for a very long time, unless, you, and if it doesn't, there's, there's, there's an issue that you track down and you, and you resolve that problem. That's not always the case when you're turning on your car, you know, the mechanical issues you have, um, for something like that, uh, they, they break more often. And so when you, when you wire up an electrical system, it's much more reliable and durable for over time. And the more we can build those systems out, we can save dollars as we've described, I think we can give a better opportunity for our personnel uh, in terms of jobs and security because those components and electrification is here to stay. And I think certainly in terms of reducing carbon intensity, uh, there's no better way of doing it than electrification. Um, and I think that you really do see the real benefits of cost, social benefits, emissions and safety. Um, and, and it's more reliable over time in terms of efficiency. And I really think the more people see that, the better. And so that you can quantify them on a lot of different ways, but it certainly holds true across that entire value proposition um, and, and, and up and down the value chain within oil and gas. Very well said. Excellent. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Stephen, I just want to let you know, if I ever have an oil and gas company, I will let you electrify it. <laughs> I appreciate that. There's a lot of, lot of folks out there doing it, but we're certainly proud to be a part of it. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. We are just about to the end of our time. Is there any remaining thoughts or if somebody wants to like reach out to you where they can find you and all of that? Sure. Uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Um, Evolution uh, has, has played a big role in, in what we do. Uh, people can can look us up on, on our web website at evolutionws.com. Um, but but would be happy to talk to anybody and educate them about the things that we do, but also maybe help them on their journey of electrification too, just trying to be good stewards to the industry. So I appreciate the opportunity to be here to talk to you guys and, uh, and the platform to discuss what we do in this industry. Thank you. Bill, any remaining thoughts from you? No, it's uh, been a wonderful journey through the electrons here, and I appreciate your time and your explanation, Stephen. Thank you very Thank much. You 
I wish I would have like looked up a good electrification pun before this. Like this feels like a good time to use one. So um, insert electrification. What is it, it, Bill? What is it? I'm good. I'm charged up about electricity <laughs> and electrifying the oil. There it is. Well, that was guys. A good one. That was great one, Bill. <laughs> There you have it. Uh, Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Energy Pipeline. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Yates, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Come back next week for another episode of The Energy Pipeline, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.